0: This program is paid for by Jacob Media Partners. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Jacob Media or its guests and do not reflect the views of WPHT or Odyssey. There are so many choices when it comes to selecting the right financial institution. Start with the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. We're right here in your city. We're also the official credit union of Temple University, and anyone who lives, works, worships, and studies in Philadelphia can open an account. We're member-owned and offer all the services you're looking for, like mobile banking and free ATM withdrawals visit our website at pfcu.com. We're not here for our profit, here for yours. Federally insured by NCUA.
1: Now on Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, WPHTHD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause presented by the Law Offices of Pond, Lee Hockey, Giordano
2: talk,
1: listen, and speak to the region's most influential leaders. This is a special edition of The Labor Show with Jay Doc, Krause, and John Doherty.
3: And good to kick off hour number two uh, here on a Saturday night, the John Doherty Hour on Talk Radio 1210, WPHT. Good first hour, J. uh with Joe Williams and Nick DeJesse. And as we bring John into the show, I don't want to... I don't want to say that it was orchestrated and planned because it's almost coming together um, too good. And here's what I mean. So we kicked off uh, our number one of the show and had a great conversation uh, with Joe Williams. Uh, and Joe spent a lot of time during his two segments talking about safety, and in those conversations, um, he talked about ocean. he referenced uh, Nick DeJesse. Uh, So fast forward, then, as you know, and we bring Nick DeJesse scheduled on the show, uh, and Nick joins us to finish up hour number one, and he's talking about safety and everything else, and then, boom, we transition into the John Doherty hour. And, John, I bring you in because um, it's not lost on... Your leadership during what was the pandemic uh, and the plan that was created, that was adopted, um, and that was implemented in pretty crazy times ultimately came a model that OSHA ultimately adopted so it's kind of fits right into what our narrative has been so far um not sure you wanted to go there but i'm welcoming you into your show uh and kicking it off with that statement yeah well the two
1: people you had are absolute professionals nick de jesse does a great job you know he's one of these guys that you know you can't call him Look, he's concerned about safety. He's not a concern about union, non-union. So a lot of people use some of these departments to do their job. You know, say, oh, well, I got a union problem. This is unsafe. Well, Nick's a no-nonsense type of guy, and you can't play that game with him. And that was something that I emphasized at the building trades, is that we don't need our government departments to do our job. We need them to do their job. And I've always had one issue with L&I, because I don't think they do their job. But I will tell you this. I think Nick the Jesse does his job and does it well. OK, Joe Williams, I'm a gigantic fan of, you know, I mean, he's he's just a, he's a really, really, really smart guy. He's got a, a, a great union. It's an underestimated union. And it's a union where safety is pivotal. It's elevator guys. It's 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 escalators. It's up in the air. It's everywhere. I mean, I would put them right below the ironworkers as probably the guys who have the most dangerous job in the building trades every day of the week. So the emphasis on safety is fabulous. He's a great guy, a great leader, a good friend, good supporter. My emphasis on safety was we always had a good safety committee. And Freddie Costanza, who was the business rep, you know, for for Pacalespi, and he also was more than that with me. He was a, you know, when I got in, he was more of an advisor and a friend than just, you know, an agent. But one of the things he was good at, he was really good at, you know, championing the safety committees. And we had a, a very active safety committee. Now, what I did You know, and it's what I did every place I went. I always made sure that these committees never lacked funds. And again, Local 98 supported me blindlessly when it came to funding other things outside the norm that would benefit all the trades and the building trades in general. When you talk about that specific COVID issue, that was something that paralyzed everyone. People have no idea. I mean, we had not one meeting a week. We had two, three. In fact, you know, everybody knows where I live at, you know, but, you know, I moved into a, a handicap accessible apartment with Sealy across the street from a gate. Okay. In that lobby, we did most of the work during COVID. There'd be a series of us. And I can't take all the credit. We had a great partner in the GBCA, and I'm a big fan of Ben Connors. Okay, I think he does a good job. I think, you know, he 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 puts a group of competitors under our umbrella for the good of the industry. And, and you know, if I ever second guessed his his motives, I watched him uh, most recently, you know, during COVID, step up to the plate and make sure that we had a safe and working industry. And that wasn't always possible during that time. I personally, you know, I had Jim Bauer, who was the guru of safety. And then you have Brian Barrows and Mike Neal, who have different roles now, were also very active at apprentice training at local ninety eight for safety. And then replacing Jim Dollar, during the COVID period, was Mark Lynch. And I'll be honest with you, it was the the reason why I probably jumped Mark over a few people when I had a chance to recommend my successor. And Mark, you know, was very instrumental at the time, but I would be I would be taking credit for something I don't deserve. The people who actually put the documents together were Tara Chupka and Jack O'Neill, who's over at Klein Specter now. Okay, Tara Chupka, Jack O'Neill, and Ben Connors took what myself and Mark were gathering every day and putting in place, and then we put it together. I got the governor on board. Look, it was you don't have any idea how difficult. It was to keep some of these jobs open, you know. Air gas up in Box County was something, and of course the casino. I worked my butt off to make that a priority because everybody thought that was, you know. And and to be honest with you, the people of the casino weren't exactly thrilled with rushing the job because they didn't know how many people were going to come or what COVID was going to do for the hospitality industry. But we were all over that, and and we took walls and regs. And not only were they adopted by our peers in New York and New Jersey and Delaware and everywhere else, everybody was calling me. Okay. But OSHA adopted them nationally, almost verbatim. So yeah, in Philly, I know when I was there, safety was, you know, the gold standard. I know Ryan Boyer, you know, has, has made it a big issue, you know, and kept it at the gold standard. I know Mark Lynch at local 98. I know Mikey Neal at a, a local 98 joint apprentice training. Uh, has been fabulous with safety, and he's also the guys who have recommended, you know, Mark and Chris Shybaum, if you like got to me over the years. So that that's that.
2: And and you know what's interesting about that, uh, John? One of the things Nick DeJesse said in his uh, segment earlier was, you know, you, you, obviously you, you get the employees, and of course the labor leaders and the leadership. But OSHA actually adopted your program, what you guys put together. OSHA adopted that as a standard across the United States. Talk about that.
1: Jimmy Dollar, for years, was the guy who would educate people not only on electrical codes and standards, but safety across the country. You know, he was, you can't put Jimmy in a box and say that Jimmy was just an electrical safety guy. He was the guru for safety. So there was a history of him educating OSHA Educating federal workers, educating L&I workers, because he was so good at what he did, as well as teaching what he did. Okay, but this was this was look. When we put a document in play, it was a document that worked. And again, in 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 this industry, you have to have one person be the boss, and you have to have a lot of people who you know are partners. And the word "we" was significant during COVID we would not have been able to accomplish what we had without the managers of the building trades who were significant and they just put their time out. And, you know, I look now and, you know, and it, it seems like, you know, it's been a couple of weeks now since Bobby Heenan passed. Bobby Heenan was calling me on a regular basis. Bob is the operating engineer business manager for years. He was calling me. We were going over COVID issues all the time. Wayne Miller and myself were all over Jimmy Snell and John Bland and, and Ryan, we were, we were just, we couldn't get enough conversation, in, you know? And then not only the sheet metal workers, Gary, but his guys, you know, Jerry Gonzalez, but we were always on top of it. And, you know, personally, you know, most of the 98 brain power was sitting, you know, right around me on a regular basis, right on the sixth floor here, you know? So,
2: you know, it's a big deal also though, that is also getting the employers on board because they're paying our people a lot of money. Okay. And, you know how that can get at, 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 at times. COVID obviously was a different situation uh, because we need to keep everybody safe, and obviously in order to get enough manpower to do the jobs. We, you know, you created the model, uh, and and that's fantastic, and, and the team. But
3: one of the things, how how does that work? By the way, it's it, it, it's not just a model. I. I think it was like a monumental yeah, it was. process that was created when you look at what the end result was. No question. Just a thought. Just my opinion.
1: No,
2: right? I, I get oh,
1: that. Well, here, here's, a- here's the answer to Joe's question. Joe said, okay, it was, and, and you, you know, Krause, you know, have paid us way more, you know, that a boy we were entitled to. The problem was everybody was scared to death. Tough guys were scared to death. People did not want to go to work. People were scared to go to work. The, you know, people were guessing. The last time I seen that type of eeriness in, in, on job sites was the week or two after 9-11. Yeah. Okay, people didn't know who was sick. They didn't know what it was. They didn't know if you got sick. You know, I mean, it was terrible. Okay, right. that's why I laugh. You know, at that time, I just took the reins. Okay, and again, you know, and, and and I have to tell you when I throw these things out there, why I say because when Jack O'Neill, okay, who out outworked everybody during that cycle, okay, a kid was available seven twenty fours sat around here. He was on the phone with Ben Connors at nine o'clock adjusting press releases that were basically set the precedent for how we were gonna do things. When I got a call from my friends in New York and I got a call from my friends in Jersey, right across the river in Camden, some of the guys called me and said, Okay, what are you doing? How are you working, what are you doing? And I said, Listen, you gotta invest a little bit. We invested in our people. You know, Wayne Miller ran through walls to get to get us, you know, uh mask, thermometers, you know, our good friends at you know a Penn, at, you know, the beautiful Penn Assist hospital up there, uh that was one of the first jobs we had to keep open. And we did such a good job working in partnership with Kevin Mahoney, who's a superstar, okay, at keeping that place open. The very first weekend, Wayne, a couple of my guys were out there, okay, with thermometers, with masks, with sanitizers, with basic, simple rules and regs, you know, and letting people know, hey, buddy, if you don't feel good when you walk in, leave and then let's log it. And at the time, there was some significant issues about money. And and let me tell you, it wasn't easy being a union steward during that time either. Okay? No
2: doubt. No the doubt John
3: Doherty Hour here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Good show lined up for you tonight. Coming up after uh, the break, Al Schmidt, former city commissioner, uh, is going to join us. 7.34, Omari Burvine, president of the Fraternal Order of Transit Police Local 109, returns. Uh, Some good news Omari's going to deliver us tonight uh, when he joins us. And then we'll wrap up the show uh, with John Narkin. uh, And a busy, busy show. Again, as we always do, this is the John Doherty Hour on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Back in a moment.
0: Tonight's edition of The Labor Show is sponsored in part by IBEW Local 98 North, UFCW Local 1776, Sheet Metal Workers Local 19, and the International Union of Painters and Allied Trades, DC21.
1: This whole nonsense
0: about not giving workers the right to organize with so-called right to work, that's bad. Something like that comes to my desk. I'll be to it, not just because I'm a Democrat, not just because I'm pro-labor, but because I know for a fact that's not very smart.
3: Keep your eye on the fastball when you're listening to the John Doherty Hour. Welcome back, everyone, to hour number two of the Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause. This is the John Doherty Hour on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. J. Doc, we're going to juggle that lineup a Shuffling little bit. We're going to shuffle the deck um, as we went into the break. Uh, coming out of the break, uh, Omari Burvine is going to join us, president of the Fraternal Order of Transit Police Local one
2: hundred and nine. Uh, Omari, welcome back to the broadcast. We're, we're ecstatic to have you. Hey guys, how you doing? Thanks
3: for having me back. Uh, it's, a, it's a pleasure. And, and give us the good news, Omari. I, I was so excited to hear um, when Frank Keel had mentioned uh, the great news about the contract. I was excited that we were able to get you on uh, the show. Let's start. Let's start there, and let give you a chance to tell everybody about the new contract.
4: Yeah, sure, absolutely. Yeah, we were able to get um, what we believe uh, is the largest single increase in at least the last twenty years um, here at the Septa Transit Police Department. It was a uh, one-time across-the-board increase. It was eleven percent for most of our guys, but for some of the newer officers, it was even you know even a, a more significant increase than that. So we're definitely definitely pleased with that. Um, definitely pleased with the result.
2: Uh, John, I know you wanted to wish your congratulations. Yeah, well, Amari knows I'm a
1: big fan of his. And, uh, listen, the easiest way to get a happy membership is, number one, to keep them working and, two, to get them big sure. raises. You're doing a nice job <laughs> at it, buddy. And, I, and, and again, you know, you've got a tough environment right now and uh, you're handling it and you're doing it quietly. You know, I, I, I'm kind of amazed because I've known most of the guys that have been in your role, and uh, sure. you might be the least okay documented. And what I mean by that, the least that's doing TV, the least you see on papers. But you might have, like you said, you just said it right here, the most significant, you know, changes. And again, the fact that you're able to, you know, be part of the policy changes, even some of the leadership changes, like you were just recently. I mean, that says a lot sure. about your leadership. It says a lot about your swag. Now,
4: keep
3: keep swagging, will you?
4: thanks john definitely appreciate that absolutely
3: Um, amari how hard is it i mean you know kidding aside i mean it is a very very tough job that your members have every single minute when they go to work
4: yeah yeah absolutely especially down here in the um you know subway sometimes people get the misconception and you know you look at septa septa police and they think it's a cake job and it's you know that that couldn't be any further from the truth. You know we deal with uh, you know with, with the worst of the worst. You know people who think that you know that it's uh, the wild wild west down there. Sometimes you know like there's like the laws just don't apply. You know once you once you get underground and you know that's what we have to that's what me and our, our members um, have to deal with on a daily basis down there. So yeah, it's definitely a challenge, but our, our guys are up to it.
2: Now and 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 uh, if you would, Amartya. What, what's the manpower in in, in the uh, transit police? That
3: was an issue when Amari was on last time, was yeah, it not? It, it was.
2: was because and and when you when you talk about the subways and all those situations, you know you you see a couple transit police, okay, and then there's a full, you know, Frankfurt L's packed. We have uh, uh, you know two uh, transit police officers right there. Uh, what's the man hour? situation the, the manpower situation.
4: Yeah, as far as officers who were actually on patrol, you know, this is not inclusive of supervisory um, uh, officers or anything like that, just, you know, officers boots on the ground. We're at about 100 and somewhere between 150, 160, and, you know, we really need to be at about, you know, 250, you know, maybe even 300 um, to really do the job that we're tasked with doing um, down here in the subways, as you said, you know, these 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 L's, these subways you know they're packed especially during the um the rush hour um you know we really need you know kind of like an all hands on deck approach in terms of you know getting getting more manpower into the department and we hope that with the raise you know with the increase 11 percent increase you know we got a starting salary that's far more competitive now you know amongst um, some of the other departments the local area departments and we had a recent change in leadership, which I think um, a lot of our a lot of our officers here are, are pretty happy about. So hopefully, these will be good recruiting tools going forward, and we can boost those numbers up back to where they need to be.
3: Amari, you message. know, I just oh, go ahead, John, go ahead. Yeah, I just
1: would, would, Amari, a couple things. You know, I don't want to downplay some of the significant, you know, ad- adjustments that were made during the contract, too. But you know, people are, uh, you know, the numbers are definitely need to go up but people have to understand you know the, and he's out to make sure that his people are safe but also the riders are okay yeah i Absolutely. mean he has to have more police officers he has to you know and i've always been a you know a big advocate of and i'm not a gun guy okay i've never mm-hmm. shot one in my life okay but i think that you know all police and especially in your environment people should have the ability to be armed you know i i, I know for a Period of time, you know, we, we had this uh, focus on unarmed social, uh, I mean, um, unarmed guards and have them be more socially interactive. Yeah, I, I just don't like our guys going into a fight like you've seen, you know, a 14 year old kid less than a week ago whip out a gun and shoot somebody three times across the street from City Hall. I mean, they shot him in the yeah. chest. He didn't shoot them up in the yeah. air to scare him, he shot him in the chest to kill him and your guys are the first guys on the scene. Your guys are not only chasing them, your guys are trying to help the people that got shot. I mean, it's 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 an insane uh platform literally for you and and again, when I say good job, and the fact is that, you know, you're just doing things behind the scenes and you're and you're doing a lot in a short period of time.
4: Yeah, I definitely appreciate that. And, you know, as far as the the unarmed guards, that's an idea that was you know, born out of, you know, I guess came from septa management at, at some point. And, you know, listen, if that's what they want to do, fine. But that is not a substitute for armed police officers with arrest powers. I mean, you, you put a bunch of guys with orange or green safety vests and khakis on the L, you know, they can be visible and they can observe and report but like you said, the situation that you mentioned, that there's nothing that they can do that's useful to anybody in a circumstance where you have a 14-year-old firing off, um, you know, live gunfire on a platform. You know, you, for that type of situation, you need armed, trained police officers to be able to respond as we did. You know, we just, and, and that was, the response was great. We just need more police officers to be able to hopefully prevent um, things like that from even occurring in the future.
2: Amari, you you know, you mentioned 160 officers. To me, that's – do you have the – how how many people use SEPTA every day uh, in in the city of Philadelphia? You you look at, um, obviously, the L, the trolleys, the buses. Um, Do we have an estimate on that?
4: Yeah, I, I couldn't really give you the exact ridership numbers. or something that I'm not, you know, privy to in my role. But, you know, just from the research that, that I've done, you know, as I've been in this position, I mean, you're talking about millions and millions of, of, no, of riders, right, hundreds right, of thousands right. daily, you know, just as a, you know, as a, as, a, as an estimate. Um, and you compare that to 150 to 160 guys, um, you know, doing what they can to try to police that and, and, and you know, control crime. Um, it's it's tough. You know, it really is. And, you know, 200 isn't enough. 300 really isn't enough, but it's better than what we have now. Um, Amari, and whatever can put us in a better position to, you know, decrease crime, that's, that's what we're looking to do.
3: Amari Burvine joining us here on the John Doherty Hour. Amari, let me ask you a question on behalf of um, the riders, the, the people sure. that are using transit. I think there is a feeling of fear for many of them. I know my daughter, who is a sophomore at Drexel and uses the subway and goes Mm -hmm. to Suburban Station and moves Mm -hmm. around the city with ease, even expressed a concern for safety. How do you manage that? How do you message the public when you 're in the dog fight every day,
4: sure, I mean what, what we're hopeful of, and you know as I mentioned earlier, you know we had a recent change in, in leadership that you may you know, may or may not have heard about in uh, you know the news, but we're hopeful that the the new acting chief, um, the new deployment plan that he's putting in place. You know that's getting us out and you know more visible instead of these the static deployments where, that are predictable, where everybody knows we're going to be. Um, you know, getting us out, and moving, and on trains. You know, back to you know what we what we used to do, um, which we found to be far more effective. We're hopeful that you know this new deployment that's being in, you know put in place by the new acting chief. You know, we think that that's going to be a benefit to us, and we think it's going to be a benefit to the riders, and we're, we're we're really, you know, excited about the new direction that the uh, the department is headed in under, under that leadership.
2: Amari, uh, talk about, uh, is there a hiring drive here? And I ask that question because the first thing I think of when I think of 160 officers, okay? First of all, I hope no bad guys are listening right now, okay? <laughs> a, a million riders, okay, and, uh, and, and 160 police. I think of, like, down at the ballpark, okay, when you got a concert, you got a ball game, you got everything. There's yeah. got to be... Uh, 250 to 300 Philadelphia police down there, okay? And think Absolutely. about it for a second. There's 90, maybe 100,000, and I'm talking about on a packed day. That's what they got. We got mm-hmm. a million drive, uh, riders, hundreds of thousands of drive, riders on all, uh, on all set of vehicles every day, specifically during the week, man. And mm-hmm. – uh, are we? I mean, so it's just not enough. It, it reminds me of kind of uh, walking a, a tightrope and thinking that you have a safety net, like the public, I'm sure, does, and they don't really realize what's going on. And by the way, we all know this is a massive city, and and the manpower issue is a, 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 that's a problem. What is the hire and drive situation like?
4: Well, listen. If there isn't a recruiting drive going on, you know, I hope there's there's one coming soon. Um, what what I've been told, and we've really been pushing SEPTA on this issue. Um, you know, we're, we're definitely you know glad that we were able to get something done in co- in cooperation with SEPTA in terms of the salary. Um, we think that we have uh, a better platform from which to recruit now that we've had this, like I said, this this change in leadership that is is absolutely welcomed amongst our officers. Um, so now we just got to go out and let people know about that. You know, we we can't just raise the salary and if nobody knows about it, what good did you do? Right. So we're definitely on septum's heels. We hear that um, some somewhere around about August 1st, there's going to be uh, some new, I know they're shooting, they, they uh, tasked some of our guys with, you know, taking a bunch of pictures and shooting videos for, I believe what's going to be um, a recruiting push and ads that are going to go out, um, you know, on the monitors that, you know, that you see when, you, when you're uh, traveling throughout SEPTA. And hopefully, you know, we can put some of that stuff on TV, on radio, and just let people know, like, hey, listen, you know, this is a job that's, you know, desirable now. You know, we're paying the good wages. We got, you know, good leadership, hopefully, at the top. And this is, you know, this is a place that, you know, that you want to be. You know, if you want to come make a difference and keep this transit system safe, you know, you know, come come on board.
3: Good stuff from Omari Burvine, the president of the Fraternal Order of Transit Police, Local 109, joining us here live on the John Doherty Hour on a Saturday night. Uh, Omari, thank you so much, man, for coming on. We appreciate it, bro.
4: Awesome. Thank you guys for having me again. I definitely appreciate it.
3: All right. Good stuff there from Omari Burvine. We'll get to a commercial break here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. We'll flip into a commercial. Al Schmidt will join us on the other side, and then John Narkin will wrap us up back in a moment.
0: This program is paid for by Jacob Media Partners. This edition of The Labor Show is sponsored in part by Sprinkler Fitters Local 692, Laborers District Council, Steam Fitters Local 420, and the International Union of Operating
3: Engineers Local 542. hour and radio, the John Doherty Hour, live here on a Saturday night on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. This is the John Doherty Hour. Al Schmidt, former city commissioner, CEO of Committee of Seventy, uh, joins us. Al, uh, welcome into uh, the John Doherty Hour. It's going to be a little bit rapid fire uh, tonight here, as, but we're glad that we were able to get you on. Thank you so much.
5: No, thank you for having me, on
3: yeah good, good stuff man. We uh, we appreciate it. Um, I want to ask you uh, or try and cover a little bit of ground um, uh, regarding the election. There's been a lot of conversation on the front page because of the con- January sixth congressional committee meetings and all of that stuff. Uh, talk about that a little bit and relate that to what you're doing
2: now.
5: Yeah, I think you know our our country faces a lot of challenges. Right now, uh, and uh, part of what Congress is focused on is what occurred on January 6th of last year on Capitol Hill. I think they're mainly looking to create a historical record of what happened and sort of shine a little bit more light on, um, on exactly why it occurred uh, and who was involved. Right now, I just left the city commissioner's office, like you said. I had run elections in Philly for the past 10 years. Uh, and was grateful for all of the friends in the labor movement I've met along the way, particularly the building trades, who are always very supportive of me, and I'm grateful for that. And I've made the jump to the Committee of Seventy, which is a non organization really focused on elections uh, in southeast Pennsylvania.
2: And and having said that, Al, uh, you know, you, you did a fantastic job. We've, we've, we've had Lisa Dealey, uh on, on the program, yeah. and Omar Sabir, and... and, and uh, Never in your wildest dreams, uh, when you took that job that could you have ever imagined what happened and, and, and the tidal wave that hit us uh with that last election. Yeah, and it
5: got it got pretty bumpy and you know, uh right after the twenty twenty election, uh my family, you know, my kids, uh there were a lot of threats of violence uh, that came our direction. Uh, and, you know, another reason why I'm so grateful um, to friends of mine in labor is that not only is are three of my four grandparents uh, 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 were represented members and my dad's first job was uh, working for IBEW. Um, but when things got tough in the 2020 election, uh, those friends really stood up for me uh, and they called to see how I was doing, to see how my family was doing. And if there's anything they could do to help, and I'll never forget
1: that.
2: Absolutely. John Doherty? Yeah, look, I'm a
1: a big Al fan. Al knows that. I thought he did a great job then. I thought, you know, as a commissioner, you know, it was it was a Philadelphia office. It wasn't a bipartisan office. It wasn't a Democrat office. It wasn't, you know, a Republican office. It was Philadelphia office. And, you know, Al, you know, being in a minority, you know, stepped up and played a leadership role, you know, and did a really good job. And, you know, he partnered with, um, you know, uh, uh, Lisa and Omar and our friends there. And I mean, it just they had a really good and that was a difficult time and a difficult job. And I mean, he did it well. And again, you know, he's a great choice for committee of 70. You know, there's a lot of policy changes. There's a lot of changes going around in in the world, as we know. But, uh, you know, he'll be in the middle of all that. And, you know, giving people a fair opportunity to vote is has always been uh, one of his pieces that he preached and you know he's been a good guy he's always been a, you know always been a fan of his he's always been you know in my time either at local 98 or at the Philadelphia building trades he's always been available you know he by no means was a rubber stamp for us in any conversation he made you think and he's a
2: smart guy with a bright future Pretty thanks john lesson. that's really kind of you and, and, and now any big initiatives underway or on the horizon with the committee of 70
5: yeah, you know, with a 2020 election, a uh, 2022 election underway with an open Senate seat and an open seat for governor, as you know, there's a lot of interest in Pennsylvania. This election cycle could determine the control of the, the Senate. Um, so there's going to be no one is going to miss the fact that it's Election Day uh, in, in November when it comes. There'll be plenty of advertising, plenty of doors uh, getting knocked on and, and all the rest. And we are really focused on getting voters the information they need to make sure that they register to vote uh, and they know where the polling place is if they vote in person or can apply to vote for a a mail-in ballot if that's how they choose.
2: And so uh, this is a pretty bold question, but it's from Frank Keel, so I'll lay it out there. Uh, (laughs) Who's the next mayor of Philadelphia?
5: Oh, well, I mean, the easy answer for my last job is it'll be the highest vote getter. That's the thing. Yeah.
2: And, and that was a good question. You don't want to
3: take credit for that, J-Doc? <laughs>
2: well, I, I, I thought it was like, you know, taking a shot. But, uh, you know, no question about it. And obviously, um, a job well done and, and, and uh, what you're doing on the Committee of Seventy. Uh, and, and, of course, as a city commissioner, we obviously appreciate you coming on the show. Keep up the good work. Thank you, sir. Thank you all.
3: Uh, good hey, stuff. You know, well, Go John. Hey, while well, we got
1: out, just before he goes, you know, I mean, his role now is to be basically the the uh, policy head of good government, you know, in fair elections. But he always was a good government guy. But don't underestimate the pressure he was on. And I bumped into him in the last couple of weeks, and I asked him about it. When you're in front, you just end by telling us, what was it like when you were sitting on national TV talking about, you know, uh, Donald Trump and, uh, and to a select committee, you know, and the whole world was watching, why don't you just tell us what that was like, because you've done a great job every place you've been, but them experiences will only make you better in the future. Why don't you just tell everybody before your role, what that was like?
5: Well, it was pretty, it was pretty intense. So it's a little difficult to remember it, you know, moment by moment. But the the biggest thing is that I had testified Before congressional committees before uh, and it's always you know pretty stressful but in this one where you have 30 or 40 cameras right in front of you and uh, you know very direct questions and they expect very direct answers to those questions uh, with a you know a nationwide audience that was that was pretty
6: intense
3: appreciate that thanks pal yeah, good stuff. Al Schmidt joining us here Thanks. on the John Doherty Hour. We thank you, Al, for joining us live here on Talk Radio 1210, WPHT. The fastest hour in radio rolls on after the break. Back in a moment.
0: Tonight's edition of The Labor Show is sponsored in part by Iron Workers Local 401, Boilermakers Local 13, Plumbers Local 690, Roovers Local 30, and IBEW Local 98. Choose a Local 98 contractor.
3: Here live on the John Docker Hour. J Doc, right to you for our final segment.
2: Yeah, Joe, I I am uh, happy to bring in, in into the program uh, John Narkin, a former Philadelphia Battalion Chief and current hazardous materials uh technician. John, uh welcome to the broadcast, my friend.
6: Uh, it's good to hear you guys this evening. How's everybody doing?
3: Uh we're we're doing good, man. How you doing, John? More important than more important than us. How you doing? I'm doing okay. You know, it's uh just every
6: day you just deal with comes deal with comes along and uh I am still working, so uh we have a big event this week with the uh fire department and a joint event with the uh US Army. Uh doing a big uh, hazmat drill with them over the over during the week. So um we're we're still working, still keeping busy, which is good. And you know, I and the other front I'm I'm a little relieved uh my my case with the city has uh has settled. They finally recognized uh, my cancer is work related, so that's a big, big weight off my shoulders and, and off my head.
2: Yeah, and we were all pulling for you, John. I, I got to tell yeah, you, and no, I
6: appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, no, I do no appreciate cl- that.
2: Yeah, and, and by the way, it should have never happened. Okay, it should have never gotten this far. That was a long fight. Okay, to secure those benefits um, under under the PA Firefighter Cancer Pre- Presumption Act, um, and you know we were so happy. Uh, to hear that obviously, you know, the the case was a success. Um, Were you surprised at at, at that? Because especially for somebody like yourself, it was so frustrating.
6: The whole process was frustrating. And, you know, it was a long battle. It was was almost four years, uh, pretty much four years to the day when uh, we finally came to the agreement. And, you know, there's still, since then I've gotten multiple calls. And I get calls every week from firefighters that are uh speaking up now in the city and going after the rifle benefits and which they should. And I talk to them every you know, talk to people every week and and hopefully my case and how that worked out helps everybody else going forward. And that was the main thing. It was that it was to help my wife uh after my passing to make sure she got the benefits that she deserved. But it's also to help every firefighter in the city get the benefits that they deserve and make it make it as easy as possible for them to do so we shouldn't have to fight cancer and, and fight the city at the same time
3: and john your your battle with cancer is an inevitable one the the, the it's an end result you're losing the battle Correct. to cancer
6: yeah i am and um you know just this uh last week uh i have some cancer spread that we're we're dealing with and um so, just waiting for the doctors to get to come up with a game plan again, and then go forward. So, I should have something in the next week or two uh, to find out what the next step is, and what treatments I'm going to have to take after that. Uh,
2: John, one so. of the things that, that 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 is important for the listeners to know is that um, the cancer is from the conditions of you working on the job. So, you would automatically think. That the city would would you know obviously one of our firefighters somebody a battalion chief somebody who's dedicated their entire life and now as a result of that uh, you know you 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 get cancer and this happens I'm going to bring John Doherty into the program uh, John if you will mm-hmm.
1: yeah listen I, I I can't use the word losing anything with John Narkin the man has never lost at anything in my eyes is. I, like I told you, it's personal with me. Him and his wife Becky, and we're not only neighbors, but very helpful to me with Sealy, and uh, on some of her worst moments. And again, it's you know it breaks my heart that this guy he fights, has to fight this battle, you know. But he fights it, and he, and he fights it for more than himself. And uh, I watched it, and you know, probably I, I have to tell you one of my mo- most frustrating moments early in my you know being able to play a little bit of politics and a little mayoral politics thing was not being able to get this thing move quicker. You know, I mean, I watch this guy. He's a great father. Okay. He's a great husband. His wife's had some hurdles. She jumped over. He's always been by her side and he's a great neighbor. I mean, look, I would I didn't even, I knew he was a firefighter. I didn't even know his rank. You know, we didn't talk about our own worlds <laughs> when we were together. It was always just, Hey, what's going on with the neighborhood? How you doing as a wife, what's going on? And he's just, and, and John, I'll tell you, you know, I am glad that, you know, I had people like yourself and, and Jeff and his wife and Gary and, you know, and again, uh, you not only you know, took care of your own family, you took care of mine, literally, between my wife and my father. I knew they were always safe when you were home, you know. And, John, that's that's exactly what neighbors do. And
6: you you did for the neighborhood, you did for everybody else. And I know you're behind the scenes trying to trying to do what you could for, for my case, but you ran in the same roadblocks that, that I did. And you know our neighborhood was a, is a special neighborhood like most neighborhoods in Philadelphia are, and we take care of our own and and people take care of our own and that was what was frustrating about me you know because I was always grow I grew up in South Philly I lived in South Philly neighbors like you John and you know we take care of our own and that's what as firefighters we do the same thing and when it came to my battle with the city to within 24 hours being told no you you got to go away we're not we're not approving this. It was, it was heartbreaking, and it, and it frustrated me, and it made me angry because that's not how Philadelphia is supposed to be, in my opinion.
2: Well, I, I can yeah, tell you, I John, did you say that, 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 that you had a positive outcome? In other words, this is resolved?
6: Yeah, this is resolved. The, the city has accepted that my cancer was work-related, and they, we've signed a memorandum of understanding that upon my death, my, wife, uh, my death will be considered a line-of-duty death and my wife will be entitled to the benefits of a firefighter that was killed in the line of duty. So she will get her benefits in, in that case. So upon my death, it's a, it's considered a line of duty death. And, uh, it is a positive outcome. And, uh, the positive outcome pretty much came not so much from the courts, but from the labor, uh, Chuck McQuilkin of local 22, uh, everybody behind the scenes, Richie laser, uh, deputy mayor for labor relations and anybody that made a phone call. And, a, and of course, Programs like this, because I appeared on this program before, the news articles in in there, and the, the newspaper it brought it to light. And it, if it, if the media and the people like this program didn't bring this to light, that it would have got buried, and it shouldn't have, and it should never get buried
2: like this. And you, you, hopefully, well, we, we had Chuck it, on we keep it going. We we yes. we, we had Chuck on. Uh, and and um, you know we certainly that we you know we've we've talked about this and you know it really upsets me because four years four years that you fought this, uh, you shouldn't like you said like you said John you shouldn't have to fight the city and cancer. Does at the same this time.
3: John set a precedent for
2: I, other firefighters? Do
6: you think? I would hope so. I would hope it would make it easier for everyone else because, the you know, admitting that my cancer is work-related and firefighters get cancer, the city is still denying claims, uh, and there's and you still have to fight them. But hopefully it isn't as long of a fight as I've gone through. And, uh, you know, the people that I have know that I've gotten phone calls since my resolution, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of the same thing, where they're applying and they're getting denied, and it's got to go through the courts. And it, it should never get that far.
2: Well, John, they should listen, never go to the courts. We totally agreed. We, we want to thank you so much for joining us. Obviously, our thoughts and prayers are with you and your family. Um, we're here I for you. It. Our platform is your platform, and that goes for the entire fire department. We've had your labor leadership on, and uh, mm-hmm. we just want to thank you for joining us and let you know we're with you at all times.
6: And I appreciate that. I know you guys have been, and uh, I know John was always there for, for the neighborhood and always there for me if we, if we need him. Just like we were always there for him and Sheely and uh, anybody on the block and anybody in it. And just like firefighters are there, always there for the citizens of Philadelphia. That's what we should be doing. That's what that's what all this is about. That's what Philadelphia should be about. Taking care of one another.
3: Absolutely. Well, Great way to finish the show from John Narkin here joining us on the John Doherty Hour. John, i got about 35 seconds left. I'll give it all to you to put a wrap on the John Doherty Hour here tonight. Well, he... He's just a great guy, and and that blew me away. Uh, just hearing
1: that he has another battle in front of him, I mean, you would never know he was sick all these years I've known him, you know. And uh, but I didn't know he, you know, his his arguments were deep uh, seated, and and it wasn't just about himself. And he's just a great guy, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad he's here. And you know, I was going to talk a little bit about some next week stuff. I think I'll just save that we got a couple good people for next week and just end with you know people keep him in your prayers because you know he, he is you know uh, history will state that there will be you know the john narkin you know history which will have saved a lot of firemen's lives but absolutely. not his own
2: absolutely and he said it the best you shouldn't have to fight the city and cancer at the same time and thanks to john narkin that won't happen to anybody else again under these circumstances. And, by the way, uh, you, know, you heard him say what he said about John Doherty uh, standing up for him and, and vice versa. That's what neighbors do. That's what, well, the city ought to take that. And, by the way, Richie Lazor, he's stand-up dude, and he was there also in his corner. And I'm sure the mayor was also. Um, but, you know, this thing, you know, it, it ran deep. And, um our thoughts and prayers are with or with John Narkin and his family
3: yeah good stuff well done and well stated and a special thanks to John Narkin uh for coming on uh the program Al Schmidt we thank you very much and Omari Bervine joining us as well here on the John Doherty Hour as John mentioned we'll be right back here live next week one week from tonight right back here live on Talk Radio 1210
0: WPHD. This program is paid for by Jacob Media Partners. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Jacob Media or its guests and do not reflect the views of WPHT or Odyssey.